Awesome. Well, thank you one more time for being here. We love worshiping together and uh, love just what God is doing at Radiant Life in Dublin and all around the world through you, Rad Fam. You guys are amazing. This morning, I am super excited because Pastor Doug Gerasic, all the way from Youngstown, Ohio, is here with us. And uh, he has become a friend, a true friend of Pastor Rachel and myself over the last couple years. As well as he pours into us, he coaches us and helps us uh, just navigate ministry and bring such wisdom, I believe, to us as individuals and to us as a church. Behind the scenes, you didn't even know. And now we're excited to have him be able to come and bring the word, share a little bit about who he is, what God's doing, as well as an amazing way that we can be a part of blessing churches all over the United States of America. And so, Pastor Doug, we're thankful for you being here. Look forward to you bringing the word and just sharing what God has for from you for us today. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I do come all the way from Youngstown, Ohio. Who's been to Youngstown? Can you wave at me? How fast did you leave when you got to Youngstown? That's, yeah, you, you moved quick, didn't you? I actually used to live here in Columbus with my wife. We were youth pastors uh, over like 12 years ago. And, man, Dublin has grown dramatically in the last 12 years. And you guys are blessed so much. And I'm grateful to be back here. And once was one of my homes, Columbus, Ohio, the home of the Ohio State University. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I'm just going to make sure you do. Hey, uh, I love your pastors. I got to have dinner with them last night. It was their 17-year anniversary as a couple. Can you just thank God? Can we put our hands together and honor them? I'm like, you picked up, you're hanging out with this ginger on your anniversary? Man, I feel special. Hey, I'm a crowd participation preacher. What that means is I will preach better the more you talk back to me, okay? So I like amens. I like that's good. And I'll take a preacher white boy, okay? So listen, on the count of three, shout out whatever's in your spirit. One, two, three. Yeah. I love that. One time I was in Texas and I was preaching, and I love people from Texas, but sometimes they're crazy, right? And uh, this guy forgot what I said to say. And, and it was towards the end of the service, you know, like when it's all kind of settling down, we're landing the plane, I'm about to get off the stage. They brought out a piano player to play the beautiful soft music at the end, and and he just forgot what was some of the things to say. And he shouted out on the top of his lungs from the third row, Preach it, cracker! I know that's not going to happen at the Rad Fam, but I just want you to know, like, that was not okay. Uh, so listen, I, I send love for my wife, Stephanie, and our three beautiful boys. They're seven, six, and two. And I'm going to show you a picture of my family. And you're going to realize very quickly there's a common denominator between me and my children. Do you guys want to throw that picture up for them real quick? Can you figure it out? There's one who doesn't match. So there's some, there's some pretty obvious things here. One, if you have a redhead in your life, you have more than enough. My wife, would you pray for her? Because she doesn't have one. She doesn't have two. She doesn't have three. She has four in one house. And here's the reality. If we ever have more children and they're not redheads, we're going to have issues in our marriage, okay? Can we know which one are my children, all right? Sorry, that might have went too far. I probably pushed that a little too far right there. Here's the truth. I come, uh, my story very quickly is this. 
My mom was 16 years of age when she found out she was pregnant with me in 1984. This is before uh, there was shows like Teen Mom and the social acceptance of that situation. In that era, my grandfather was an elder at the local church, and that was not appropriate for his daughter to be pregnant, who was a 4.0 student and on her way to college, to have this mistake happen in her life. And he said to her, you need to solve this mistake and make it go away. And she went up to her room. She cried out to a God that she met in Sunday school. And she said, God, what do you want me to do with this mistake that is growing on the inside of me? She said for the first time in her life, she heard God speak to her when she cried out to him. And he said, Lisa, if you give me this mistake, I will turn it into a miracle. Church, come on, I'm here to get you alive today and realize that there are some mistakes that you've been carrying. That when you give them to God, they turn into miracles. And she decided not just to not only not get rid of me, but to raise me and do the very best she could as a single mother. Raising a child in a world that looked down on her for that decision. And she continued to declare the word of God over me and my life. And even though there was a season where I wasn't living for Jesus, she always knew that someday if you raise a child according to the ways of the Lord, when they grow older, they shall not depart. Come on, that's a word for a parent in the house today. And so when I see a picture of my children now, see, I never knew my biological dad. And I found out when I started doing research on my biological father, he didn't know his dad. And he didn't know his dad. I came, I was a fourth generation of fatherless men. And it's so powerful that I would have an opportunity to raise three men of God. Because what the devil meant for evil, God will use for good. And I don't know about you, but I serve a generational breaking God that no matter what you are going through... When you give your life to Jesus, he says, I change generations. So he'd give me three ginger boys that I get to raise and watch them become mighty men of God. And so today I've got a word in my heart for you that I want to share. And I hope that it blesses you as we open up the word of God together. You know, getting ready for this, I get to travel a lot. And I get to speak um, to different events and churches. And I just have the opportunity to go around and share what God's done in my life and encourage bodies of believers and different things. And, yes, I do get to pastor in Youngstown as well, an amazing church called Rust City Church. And we're in the geographical center of the Rust Belt. So if you took the Rust Belt, which was the era of industrialism that abandoned the Midwest from Minnesota all the way down through West Virginia, and all those factories and all those buildings and all those blue-collar jobs, they disappeared. And the people who were left, what once was steel, became rust. And so the Rust Belt, as we know it, Youngstown is a geographical center of the Rust Belt in America. And our declaration over our city is, God, would you revive the rust in our city? And so we've just been believing God for that for like 12 years. And But I get to travel. I get to do things. I don't know how many of you get on airplanes, but the more you get on airplanes the more you want to avoid people at all costs when you're in the airports and airplanes. And so I put on my headphones. I'll wear sunglasses inside. I will wear a blanket over my head. I will do anything just to kind of get through the airport and just survive the experience of getting through the airport. And one time I was sitting down. I got to my seat. I'm sitting down comfortably. And I noticed 
this cute little old lady come walking by, and she smiles at me, and she wants to have a conversation because she doesn't understand headphones. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm like trying to listen and talk to her. And she sits like across from me in the aisle. And she's like, I don't fly very often, but I'm going to see my grandbabies, and I can't wait. And I'm like, that's so cute. Can you leave me alone? But that's so cute. And, and I'm just there, and I, and I am having joy that, like, this is a beautiful, lovely woman, and I just appreciate her spirit and her kindness. And, and then comes another guy onto the aircraft, and he comes in with his luggage, and he's got his headphones on, his sunglasses. He's got that whole energy, but he's talking, like, on his phone to somebody through his headset. And he has his luggage, and he has this giant cup of Starbucks coffee. And you can tell it's scolding hot, and the lid is basically not on properly. And as he's going through, he needs to put his luggage on the overhead thing above. And as he's doing this, he begins to lift his luggage up and trying to get it up. And as he's doing that, the little old lady's sitting in her seat, and he's putting it above her head. And as he's doing it, his cup, and I see this whole thing happening. And I realize it's my moment to be a hero. And I jump up, and I grab this dude's wrist. I'm like, bro, bro, bro. And he's like, whoa, whoa, why are you grabbing me? And he starts getting angry, and the surgeon's like, sir, get your hands off him. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I am trying to save somebody's grandma. I need a hero. And I grab, and I'm in this tussle with this guy. And then people realize that he was about to spill his coffee. It started dripping on the lady. And they're like, dude, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, yeah, what's wrong with you? And they're cheering me on. And I'm like, man, this is what I've lived my whole life for. I saw a problem. And I was, now if I was in a whole other part of the plane, I wouldn't have been able to get to it. But because where God put me, I was in proximity to do something about the problem, but then I couldn't just watch it. I actually had to get into motion. I actually had to do something about it. I think many of us can see problems all over this world. It takes somebody of courage to actually do something about the problem. Like you can't just see the problem. you got to say, God, with my strength that you've given me, let me do something about the problem. And today I want to open up our Bibles in Judges chapter 6. And in Judges chapter 6, I want to look at a story of a guy named Gideon. Say Gideon. We want to see in this story of Gideon how he saw a problem. He realized he had the strength to do something about it. And then he chose to come to the rescue. I'm going to jump through Judges chapter 6. But I'm going to start in verse 1 and 2. Here's what it says. The Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord handed them over, that's a whole message right there, to the Midianites for seven years. And the Midianites were so cruel to the Israelites. So we find in this moment before we meet Gideon that the people of Israel were doing not so good. And God decided to hand them over to the Midianites and say, you know what? You guys need to go through some trials and some tribulations. You guys need to recognize. So I'm going to hand you over to your enemies. And I'm going to put you in a place where you're crying out for me again. I don't know about you, but the country that I'm living in and the world that I'm in right now looks like God is handing me over to some Midianites. I've been seeing in the around the world and what's going on in the church and Christianity that there has been some issues where I sense that God is saying there needs to be a restirring happening with the people of God. And so we've been living with the enemy right in front of us. 
And it says that he turned them over, and, and the Midianites were so cruel. I don't know about you, but it seems like the world is getting more cruel to the ideas and the morals of Christianity. And we find ourselves in this moment. We're about to meet Gideon. And it says this in verse number 11, that the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath a great tree. And Gideon was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. Say wine press. That's important. Don't forget that. That he was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So you have Gideon, the hero of our story, the guy who we don't really know yet, but here's what we see him as the angel of the Lord finds him. He finds him in a wine press. Now, a wine press is like you put the grapes in it, and they would stomp on it, right? And then it would produce wine or grape juice, whatever your doctrine says. And, you know, they would produce this thing out. And, 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 and then wine always represented in the Bible a time of celebration, festivals, feasts, marriage. And so they would do this. Remember, Jesus turned the water into grape juice in, in, our, in our Gospels. And, 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 and you find that it was for a marriage feast that this was at. It always symbolized celebration. It always symbolized a time of thriving and rejoicing. But we find him in the barrel of a wine press, not making wine. We find him, as the Bible says, threshing wheat to get grain. So, and grain always represents the basic survival of life. We need grain. Give us as they are daily bread. Like, we just need it to survive. We find Gideon in a place of thriving, barely surviving. I wonder how many of us have been living our lives where God has put a word inside of us, a call on the inside, something that he wants us to do that he's challenging us with. But because of the enemy and the surrounding powers of our life, we have been in a place where God wants us to be thriving, barely surviving. We've been going through the motions, mailing it in. And God is seeing us where we are, saying, man, if I could just survive today, that's all that matters. If my marriage could just survive today, if we could just get through another day with that child, if we could just get through this moment with our finances, if I could just get healthy enough to get unhealthy again, if I could just barely get through. And God is inviting us to be people who are not just surviving. God's invitation to his church is to become people that are thriving. Some of us, we've been broke down, beat down so long, we don't even know how to think like that. And the truth is that God is in the business of taking those who are barely just surviving. And if they will trust him on their journey, he will put them in a position where they can start thriving. And we find Gideon. The hero of this story, the man that if you learned about him before, we already know the end, but if you don't, you're about to find out. This man God wants to use in a big way, but God finds him in a place of brokenness in his life. I think too many of us, we disqualify ourselves from God using us because we think about how broken and screwed up our past is. We think about the things that we even did last night and thinking God can't use somebody like me because I don't have what it takes. And here's the reality. Even if you don't think you have it, whatever you give to God, that mess, he turns into miracles. The God that I serve doesn't require perfect people to work with him. The God that I serve takes broken, jacked up, screwed up, messed up, all kinds of people. And he says, if you give me your life, watch what I'll do with your life. 
And Gideon is an example of somebody who's hiding from the enemy. Like, he's not a mighty man of God. He's hiding. He's like, don't pick me. And we're going to find out here why. Next verse, verse 12 says this. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and he said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Somebody here has got to realize that what you're going through, the Lord is with you. We think when we're going through storms, we think when we're going through heartache, we think that life isn't going the way that we thought that God has abandoned us for some reason. In all reality, the God that I serve is not a God who finds me after the storm. The God that I serve is a God who sits with me during the storm. The God that I have is not a God who leads me to my own uh, uh, pain and sorrow and suffering. The God that I serve is with me through my pain, my sorrow, and my suffering. Either he's God of everything or he is God of nothing in my life. Either he's the same God on the mountain as he is in the valley or he's not God at all. And I'm here to encourage you, church family, that Gideon was hiding from his enemies and God didn't see him where he was. He saw who he was called to be. See, I think there's too many of us who believe the results of our past more than the promises of God's future. I'm going to say it again. I think there's too many of us who believe in the results of our past and we don't allow and believe about the promises of God's future. God's future for you is yes and amen. God's future for you is not to be the tail but to be the head. He says, I have plans for you, my child, and they're plans to prosper you. They're plans for a hope for your future. That no matter what you're going through, I've got plans that will blow your mind if you're willing to trust me with them. And so we find Gideon in this moment hiding from God, and God's response to him is, Mighty hero. Say mighty hero. mighty hero. Mighty hero. The Lord is with you. I wonder how many of us would start changing the way we do things if we recognize every moment we're in, the Lord is with me. I wonder how many of us, if you're at work right now and your boss is just acting like a fool. Like, I don't know, maybe you don't have a crazy boss. I've had some crazy bosses where I, like, blessed a water fountain and I try to throw a little water at them to see if they hiss afterwards. Like, there could be a demon in them. I don't know. This is a test. A little hissing. There's a demon. Some of us walk through some trials at work where we're being tested in our faith. The Lord is with you. Some of us, we got a spouse that we look at at night and say, who have you become? Like, I remember when my, I first married my wife, I was like, this is amazing. And then one day she woke up and she said, listen, you are amazing, but you're not that amazing. And I said, oh, Jesus, help us. <laughs> you got to work on your amazing. I wonder how many of us, when our marriages are falling apart, we're remembering the Lord is with me right now. I wonder how many of us, when our kids are prodigals and they're running away from God, and we're thinking, God, this was not how I thought this was going to go. This is not who you called them to be. This is not the destiny on the inside of them. If you remember in that moment, God, you are with me right now. I am not a mighty hero by my own strength. I'm a mighty hero because of my strength meeting his spirit. And through that coming together, I can do all things according to Christ who gives me strength. Hashtag preacher, white boy, come on. Man, y'all making me work up here. 
mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Next verse says it like this, verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength. Say strength. Strength. The strength that you have and rescue. Say rescue. Israel from the Midianites. Look, the Lord said, go with the strength you have and rescue the people of God from the Midianites. And that should have been it. Like, put yourself in the story. An angel shows up in your bedroom. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Go with your strength. I don't know why it sounds like Darth Vader, but we're going there. Go with your strength. And do something about it. That If it's me, it's like, let's go. Let's do it. We're out. Okay. Let's get... Get your shoes on. We got to go do something. But verse 15 is so much of us, so many of us. Gideon says in verse 15, But Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest of the whole tribe, and I am the least of my family. That's what you sound like when you talk to God like that. I just want you to know. How many of us, when God invites us to do something, we say, hey, God, you forgot who you're talking to. Hey, God, you forgot that I'm not that qualified. I'm not that gifted. I'm not, I don't have that much strength. But he didn't say, and he, he said, go with the strength that you have. But yeah, I don't have that much. It doesn't matter. He, and he tries to even say, listen, my tribe is the least of all the tribes. There's 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, this is like going to camp. And you're picked for the dodgeball team that keeps losing every single time. And, like, you want to be mad at each other. But you're like, we're the worst dodgeball team of all the dodgeball teams at camp, okay? And I'm the last player picked on that team. My self-confidence is shrinking. Like, I, I, listen, I played basketball from third grade to 12th grade. I love the sport. It's my favorite. Don't let my vertically challenged body fool you. I will bring it to you in the pain, okay? Don't test me. I'm like Charles Barkley out here, okay? Short but mighty. Come on, somebody. And, and I love playing basketball. And, and listen, there was teams I was on that we won championships, and I, and I played a role on that team. And then there was other teams where I was a premier player, and we lost a lot of games, and I realized something. I would rather be on the bench of a champ than be the star of a loser. Gideon's problem is he is the loser on a losing team. <laughs> we the worst clan, and I'm the bottom of my clan. I'm the seven-foot Lithuanian with the towel, and we lose in every game. Some of y'all don't get that joke, but yeah, somebody else explain it to you. And so here's where we're at. This guy is giving God every excuse in the book. God, don't use me. I wonder how many of us just use every excuse in the book to say, God, please don't use me. God, there are better people, God. There are stronger people. When my wife and I wanted to plant our church, I remember thinking and praying and asking the Holy Spirit, God, there has to be better, more equipped people than us to plant this church. And can I tell you, he spoke to me. And he says, Doug, there is. I said, man, that's a real vote of confidence in me. But, Doug, the difference is they didn't say yes and you did. They didn't say yes and you did. And I'm going to give you what I would have gave them if they had the courage to follow me the way that you're going to follow me right now. And I'm here for somebody to realize that you might not be as qualified as you think you are, but the God I serve takes unqualified people and makes them very, very qualified. 
And so I'm here to encourage you that, like Gideon, you've been threshing wheat in a wine press. You've been surviving. You've been holding on, thinking, God, how am I going to get through this? And God is speaking to you, not by who you are, but who he knows you can be. Mighty hero, go do what I've called you to do. And it's not your job to tell God why you're inadequate. It's your job to say yes to God when he asks you to do something. Oh, thanks for the golf clap. Pastor Chris will be here next week. He's going to fix all this, okay? You guys are so blessed. Here we go. Verse number 16, the last verse I'm going to say is this. The Lord said to him after he gave, here's what I love. After he gave him all these excuses, the Lord didn't tell him, well, I guess you're right, I'm going to go find somebody else. Good job convincing me that you don't have what it takes. No, verse 16, the Lord said it clearly. After his excuses, I will be with you. I will be with you. Wherever you go, however hard it gets, when you doubt yourself, when you lack the resources, when you don't think you have what it takes, I will be with you. But God, I think I'm going to have to go somewhere that I don't want to go. It's okay. I'll be with you. But God, do you understand this is going to mean I might have to change some of my friend circles? It's okay. I will be with you. But God, that doesn't mean my bank account's going to hurt if I choose to trust you this way. It's okay. I'm going to be with you. But God, you don't understand my time. I don't have much. It's okay. I will be with you. I don't care what else I hear for the rest of my life. I want to hear the Lord say to me, Doug, I'll be with you. You're going to go here? I'll be with you. You're going to stay here? I'll be with you. Here's what I see in this story. It's the same thing that happened to me on that airplane. Gideon saw a problem. The people of God were suffering. He recognized through the Lord that he had the strength to do something about it. He was close enough to the problem to do something. But then he had to come to the rescue. If you know the story, he raises up an army. That army actually shrunk because God didn't want him to take credit for it. He wanted to get the credit for it. And they went against the Midianites, and they defeated them handsomely. And God did a supernatural thing that only he could do, and they didn't lose anybody in the process. But he had to be willing to come to the rescue. Why am I up here today? Outside of my pastoring of Rust City, I represent an organization that focuses on rescuing, hurting, and dying churches. You might not realize this, but churches are closing in America at a rapid rate. And it's interesting, as our moral decline happens in our country, it's following the same trend as churches closing every single week. We have data that says prior to COVID, every single Sunday, 200 churches in America would close their doors for the last time every Sunday in America. So when you leave here to go eat whatever you're going to eat, House of Japan, not Chick-fil-A because it's the Lord's Day and they don't play that game. But then every time I say it, it makes me want it more and it actually hurts. And then Monday I just go and gouge at it and go nuts. I like rage eat it on Monday because I'm angry from Sunday. Am I the only person? That's okay. The Lord is with me. Uh, but wherever you go and whatever you do, think about this. When you walk out these doors today, 200 churches will close and not reopen. Think about the generations that worked and labored for that church to be a beacon of hope in that community. They have found when churches close in communities, drugs, crime, and teen pregnancy increases in communities. I don't know about you, but I don't think America needs less churches. I think America needs more churches. 
I think America needs more life-giving churches like this church in every community, in every neighborhood, proclaiming Jesus to a new generation that makes sense to them to reach the gospel where the gospel needs to be reached. If we're not careful, we're going to turn into what Europe has become, which is a post-Christian nation. And so Church Rescue comes along hurting churches, struggling pastors, and we give them coaching, we give them care, we give them resources, and we help them not close their doors. Right now, Church Rescue, thank you, right now Church Rescue actively has over 200 pastors around the country getting coaching for no cost, getting grants, getting financial support. We come alongside them and we try to keep that church. First, we get it healthy, we get it stable, and then we help it grow to reach more people for the gospel of Jesus in this nation. Because if America church closes, all those missionaries, all that support around the world goes away. Somebody's got to care for the pastors and the churches and our country so that they can go out and care for the rest of the world. Amen? So you have a card. I asked you to ask the Lord if you want to help support us. And I want to show you a video while you're thinking about that and praying about that, about one church in Michigan. Now, listen, I understand. I get it. Jesus says, love your enemies. And we're bringing light into dark places. And I can't think of another place in the world that needs it more than the state up north. Sorry. I'm still getting through my own journey. But we did help a church that was about to close and a pastor who was about to quit in Michigan, and we gave them resources, we gave them support, and we've seen God do supernatural things in that church. And I just want to show you that video as you prayerfully consider partnering with us at Church Rescue. Check this out. So my wife and I really felt called and compelled to plant a life-giving church in an area of Southwest Michigan. It was a place that most people would not be running to to plant a church. It was a pretty depressed community, but the call was really so strong. We knew that this is where God was leading us. But not too long from the time we launched, we started realizing that we really didn't know what we were doing. We came into this thing with the passion, but we didn't literally come with a really healthy plan. And ultimately, it was putting a strain on our relationship as a couple. And we were at a point where we we're saying, maybe it's just time to throw in the towel. My wife and I really prayed for some sort of intervention, something that could step in and help us go from where we were to where we believe that God could lead us. And that's when we were introduced to Church Boom. Through Church Boom, we were able to get a coach who worked with us one-on-one. -on -one. Plenty of times I was able to bring my team into it and he was able to coach our entire team. We were able to develop some systems uh, that would bring us back to health. There were some processes that we were missing and how we uh, ran the church operationally and even really some ways that I was not pastoring effectively. Our coach really walked us through that journey of uh, getting the church back healthy. If you want to know what a rescue pastor, a rescue church looks like, you are looking at it. There was a, a woman who walked into the door because she was looking for a church in the community 
And at her baptism a few weeks later, she shows up with her husband, her son, uh, a few family members there as well too. And when she went down into the water, something happened in that room. Not only was she baptized, but her daughter was baptized. Her husband, who had no intention of ever being part of a church, was baptized. Her son was baptized. Her brother-in-law was baptized. The entire family was baptized that day. And that's what a rescue church looks like. A church that is seeing new life born because of the generosity of your gifts. So thank you so much for being a part of what Church Boom is doing through your giving. It is literally rescuing not only churches, but it's rescuing lives. Awesome. I'm so thankful that this morning Pastor Doug could be with us. And I want to encourage us before we leave today that we get to do so many cool things as the Rad Fam around the world missions. We, we have partners, over 75 partners around the world. And Church Boom is one that is near and dear to my heart of just helping pastors in churches like ours, in small to big churches, uh, be able to be healthy and reach their community. And today we want to give you the opportunity to partner with Church Rescue and Church Boom. And there are cards on many of the seats in the room today. And if you say, hey, I would be willing to do that, you can check the card out. You can scan the QR code. You can give a one-time or a monthly thing. Uh, you can also fill the card out and you can uh, do that. Uh, and I want us to partner with them and just praise the Lord for what God is doing. Those 200 churches that are receiving free care, free coaching to become and to get to a place of health. That is about as good as it gets. So be sure to take your card out, check that out. And then at the end here in a minute, when we close out, Pastor Doug will be out in the foyer by the photo booth area. And he would love to talk with you. If you turn in your card or just let him know that you uh, gave online, then he's got a gift for you, a cool wristband. And uh, we would love to just be able to celebrate what God is doing, what he's doing here, and to be able to celebrate with others around the world as we're faithful in giving. One other thing before we head out today is I want to encourage you, our monumental one-day VBS, it is coming. And we want to encourage you, first of all, if you have kids, get them here. The morning session, Saturday, June 18th, is for kids three all the way up through fifth grade. Uh, it's going to be an amazing time. The afternoon is just for the kindergartners through fifth grade. Uh, it's going to be fun for our kids. But we want to see community kids as well as our daycare kids coming to be a part. In fact, on Friday, we're going to do the same, a, a different session of, but of the Monumental VBS for our daycare. So we're going to do a daycare day all day on Friday, sharing Jesus with the over, uh, there'll be over 300 kids with us this summer in the daycare. It's going to be so much fun, but we need you to help volunteer, specifically on Saturday. And I want to invite you to go to Radiant.Family, go on there under events. You can sign your children up, sign Kids you're going to bring along with you, but we need volunteers. We need helpers. Pastor Rachel, she's going to be a part of, of the set creation. There's all the different things, teaching and training and watching children and helping in so many different ways. Would you please sign up? We need at least 50 adults. We're hoping for even more than that. Think of it like an Easter outreach event. We need everybody to come be a part. One day, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we would love to have you join with us for monumental one-day VBS where we believe we're going to see tons of kids come to know the Lord. I was talking to a lady this morning uh, that she said, I love that you're doing VBS because when she was six years old, she's now uh, much older than six years old, maybe in her 70s, 
Uh, she said, I got saved when I was six years old at a VBS. And we believe we're going to see that this June, June 18th. And we'd love to have you be a part. So thank you so much for being here. Sign up, Radiant.Family. Fill out your card for Church Boom. And let's, let's continue to share Jesus with our world. You are a mighty warrior, Radiant Family. You are a mighty warrior. This we go, be the hands and feet of Jesus. And let's see what he might do. Not because we're great, but because he's great. Something special is going to happen through you. So this week, be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. We'll see you again next week. God bless. We'll see you again next week. God bless. We'll see you again next week.